welcome everybody. We are glad that you are here. Folks who are uh, uh, been away from us. We are grateful to see your faces. That is a lot of fun for us. We know there are others who are still not safe and uh, blessings on you and we are looking forward to the day when when everybody is safe to come back. That is going to be a great, great day. You know, uh, we were in our Wednesday night Bible class until just recently we were studying the book of Romans. One of the things that's striking about the book of Romans kind of gives you an insight into the mind of the Apostle Paul, is he was so saturated with Scripture that when he would just make any point, he could hardly stop himself from quoting Scripture to make that point. You know, he would just, it just came out from the prophets and from the law of Moses and from the sto- stories of the, the Old Testament. He just knew the Bible so well that it just naturally came out. I got to say, Brother Starks, your prayer this morning reminded me of that. I just love a person who's been so saturated for so long in the Word of God that it just comes out, quotations and allusions to the Word of God. That, thank you so much for that prayer this morning. We're studying the, the story of Jesus, and I got to tell you, I have really enjoyed this already as a preacher preparing to talk about each element of this story of Jesus. And I hope it's going to be a blessing to you. I believe it will to the extent you let it. Uh, Today, we're talking about the anointing of Jesus. I was not alive. I've seen footage of the inauguration, not inauguration, the coronation, sorry, of Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, This happened in 1953. I was born in 1956. Uh, June 2nd. And the sources say that essentially the elements of the coronation of the British monarch have have remained roughly the same for almost a thousand years, which I find hard to believe, but okay. The monarch will come out and the and the people will shout their acclaim, their approval. And then there's a moment when four in in, in Queen Elizabeth's the second's in coronation. I keep saying inauguration. Sorry, I'm an American. In Queen Elizabeth's coronation, there was a moment when four of the highest order of knighthood, the Knights of the Garter, four Knights of the Garter will come and they will raise a veil around the monarch-to-be. And the crowd is not allowed to see what happens in there. Just the Archbishop of Canterbury and a few others are in that enclosed space. And in that space, the monarch takes an oath, the monarch-to-be, to uphold the laws and uphold the kingdom. And then there is a special oil that's been prepared. And the Archbishop of Canterbury takes out this oil and anoints the one who is going to be the king or the queen. After that, the veil is dropped, the crown is placed, the orb, the scepter. 
And that person is now the monarch of the kingdom. So when exactly did that happen for Jesus? Jesus is a king, born of the line of David, fulfilling those promises that go back a thousand years to the time of King David, whispered generation after generation after generation after the Babylonian catastrophe and the ending of the ability of the, the line of David to actually sit on the throne. Still, the Jews held on to that promise. We one day will have a king to sit on King David's throne. Because God is faithful. And he will not fail to keep that promise. So when was Jesus inaugurated? If you have your Bibles, you can turn to that passage that Hoppy read to us. From that Bible that his mother gave to his brother. Thank you for that. Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. We're going to look at those verses and a few other verses this morning. You can follow along with us. If you've got the study sheet, then it's printed there. We're first told, verses 1 through 12, about John the Baptist. John the Baptist came to prepare the way for God's anointed king. God sends John the Baptist kind of like a thunderbolt to wake up the Jewish people. They hoped, they prayed, they looked forward to, and all of a sudden John the Baptist comes bursting onto the scene. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Change your ways. That's what repent means. Change your ways, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. The people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him and all the region along the Jordan. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. And when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, uh, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warn you to flee from the wrath that's coming? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham for our ancestors. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now, the axe is at the root of the trees, and every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. 
I baptize you with water for repentance, but the one who's more powerful than I is coming after me. I'm not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear the threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary. The chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. That's John the Baptist for you. He was not what you would call a diplomatic preacher. He was not what you would call a love and sunshine only preacher. I think our word for him today would be, he was a hellfire and damnation type preacher. He was a turn or burn type preacher. And the most important thing for us to remember about John the Baptist is he didn't come by his own power. He was sent by God, as the Gospel of John tells us. And John the Baptist came to prepare the people for their king. Matthew takes the passage in Isaiah 40 about the the rumblings of the first salvation of Israel from Babylonian captivity and says that's also John the Baptist, the voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. John is now that multiplied because a greater event is about to take place. Change your life. Bear fruit worthy of proving that you've changed your life. Be the tree that bears good fruit because the bad trees are about to be destroyed. Change because the king is coming. That's John the Baptist. And people went out. I mean, this is made clear in Matthew by what you just read. If you go over and read the passage about John the Baptist in Mark chapter 1, go over and read the passage about John the Baptist in Luke chapter 3, we are told that that crowds and crowds and crowds of people came out for this preacher who had what was really a scary message. God's judgment is about to begin. God's kingdom is about to be established. And you personally must get your life right. Don't say to yourselves, but I'm I'm Jewish. I I have Abraham for for my father. That's going to not matter. God doesn't need people who have a physical ancestry. God can make Jewish people out of stones if he needs to. Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Crowds came running out. Even the Pharisees came out. And John's not afraid to tell them what's wrong with their lives. In Luke, the soldiers ask, what what are we supposed to do? And he says, don't abuse your office to rob people and wrong people.
John the Baptist was amazing. He came to a time when, when the Jews themselves, we read some of the things they wrote during the period after the close of the Old Testament, they themselves complained, we just, we haven't had a prophet in so long. And when John the Baptist shows up, it's like a new prophet has come. That's why everybody was so excited to go out there to that River Jordan. And John says, let me wash you, bury you, immerse you in this water to seal your commitment that you are changing your life. And everybody wanted John to do that to them. And people said, maybe you're it, John. Maybe you're the one that we've been waiting for. Maybe you're the one. And he says, I'm not. Because there's one coming that's greater. You need to be ready. However mighty you think I am, however great you think God's movement is in this, there is one coming. I wouldn't be worthy to reach down and touch this one's shoelaces, to put that in modern terms. And you need to be ready for this one's coming. You know, if you've read that and paid attention, just Matthew's gospel, if you've realized what the significance of John the Baptist is after 400 years of no prophecy and no one really sent by God to suddenly have this person burst on the scene and for him to say, I'm just the herald of the real one that's about to come. You can't wait to see what happens next. And what happens next is fascinating. Look at verse 13. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, stopped him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so for now, for it's proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented, and, and when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up out of the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. The Gospel of John reveals that John saw that too, that, that dove descending and landing on Jesus. And Jesus hears this voice, this is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. John's bab uh, Jesus' baptism by John turns into Jesus' anointing by God's Holy Spirit. 
You want to know when was Jesus anointed to be God's king on earth? This is that moment, as near as I can figure it out. Coming up out of the waters of baptism, dripping wet, and all of a sudden, this vision of the Holy Spirit landing and staying on him. And this voice from God saying, you are my well-loved son. This is the language that had always been applied to the kings in the line of David. All the way back to Psalm 2, the first royal psalm we have in Israel's songbook, the Psalms. Psalms 2, verses 6 through 8. You don't have to turn to it. It would take too long. I'm just going to read it. You can make a note if you want. Psalms 2, verses 6 through 8. I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask me, God says, and I will make the Gentiles your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. This is the inauguration day for King Jesus. This is when he became the king of the world. And in fact, the king of the entire universe. He made the universe. And now he has been inaugurated as king of it. It's his by right of creation. And now it's his by right of coronation. By right of anointing. And soon, through his cross, it's going to be his by right of conquest as well. I pray this never happens, but we had one event in the history of the United States that came close. What if next month you heard that in Florida... Someone had had themselves inaugurated as president of the United States. Or in California, or in Oregon, or here in Oklahoma. What if you heard that? What would that mean to you? I'll tell you what it would mean to the country. Country can't have two presidents. Constitution doesn't allow that. And so what it means for a country is that that country is divided against itself. And a state of civil war now exists. One side will fight the other. Until one is defeated and the other is victorious. There's a lot of things we can take away from what it means that Jesus was inaugurated. I keep saying inaugurated, was anointed king. 
at the moment of his baptism. But one thing I want you to be thinking about is this. There was already an anointed king in Judea. His name was Herod. And he was a murderer. Many times over. Pretty soon he was going to murder John the Baptist, the very person that baptized Jesus, as he had murdered many others. There was already a king of the world, at least the world that people in that region knew. Didn't call himself a king, called himself Caesar, emperor. And so, when Jesus was anointed king, he was declaring that the state of the world is civil war. Caesar is not the rightful king. Herod is not the rightful king. Not with authority over those who understand God's will. The premier king, there can only be one. And God's premier king is this person who just got immersed in this water and raised up. Jesus Christ. And the war will rage until every rival to Jesus Christ is destroyed. Until every knee bows and every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's what this means, that Jesus Christ has been anointed. Now, if we woke up tomorrow and realized a rival president had been inaugurated in our country, we would be horrified. We would be shocked. We wouldn't know what to do. And there would be a pressing, pressing question for you and me. We'd look at each other. Maybe we wouldn't have the courage to ask each other, but the question in our minds would be when we looked at each person, who's your president? Who, whose side are you on? War is coming now. It's inevitable. It's unstoppable. These two claims for the, for the presidency have to fight. Whose side are you going to be on when that happens? That is absolutely essential. Jesus, in that moment of baptism, received his anointing. Do you know you receive an anointing when you're baptized? 
If you have your study sheets, I actually put this passage on there for you, but if you don't, turn over to John chapter 3 and look at verses 1 through 7. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council, and he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one can perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. And Jesus replied very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Well, how can someone be born when they're old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb and be born. And Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. When Jesus was baptized and came up out of that water, he was anointed by God to be God's king. When you're baptized, do you realize that when you come out of that water, the Holy Spirit comes on you? And you're anointed to be part of God, God's kingdom, Christ's kingdom? When you come up out of the water of baptism, you pick a side in this war. The world can't have multiple kings. In the end, there can only be one. And let me tell you something, it's going to be Jesus. And when you are baptized, you are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when you come up out of that water, you belong to him now. You're a soldier in his army. You're a worker in his vineyard. You are his hands and his feet. You don't wield the weapons of this world. They don't work anyway. We know that. You, we you wield the weapons of spiritual warfare. When people hate, you love. When people spit, you kiss. When people curse, you bless. When people rob, you give. When people strike, you turn the other cheek. You are a warrior for the Prince of Peace. That's what you were anointed to be, to serve the anointed one of God. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for your anointed King, Jesus Christ. God, give us strength every day to serve him. God, give us strength every day to be brave, never to deny him, never to back down from saying that we belong to him. God, give us strength every day to confess his name. And God, give us strength every day to do the works 
that he would have us do. Bind up those who are ill and and visit those who are in prison and give food to those who are hungry and preach, preach, preach the good news to those who are in darkness. God, please give us the strength to fight this war. Give us the strength to be faithful to the charge that you have given us. These things we pray in his mighty name. Amen. If you need to respond to this invitation, there's never going to be a better time than today. If you need today to receive the anointing of God's Holy Spirit by being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, why don't you come forward and take that step as we stand and as we sing.